Everybody doing good? Yeah, glad that you're here. And uh, I believe that the word tonight is really, really going to bless you. My prayer has been, God, let this word just become like fire shut up in your bones. Jeremiah said, I just can't be quiet because your words like fire shut up in my bones. Hebrews eleven six says without faith, it's impossible to please God. We can't connect with God, fellowship with God, receive from God, except by faith. For you who comes to God must believe that he is. Nobody would be here tonight if they didn't believe that God is. You'd be wasting your time. And it says in that he is a rewarder. That's the first thing God wants us to know about him. That God is not some distant God. As the deist would tell you, God created the worlds, kind of wound it up and took off and maybe he'll be back in a trillion years. That's not the type of God that he is. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So my, my first thing I want to talk to you about tonight, I got several points, I don't know how many I'll get to, but that life is short. And all the old people shake their heads. Because the older you get, the more perspective you have. And you realize the older you get, the faster time seems to move because you've just got more to relate to. But life is short. Again, in James 4, it says, what is your life? It's like a vapor that appears for a little moment and then it's gone. Now, in light of eternity, your life, however long it's going to be, is it's just like when you get out in the morning and it's cold and you breathe and it's there for a few seconds and then it's gone. So because of that, the Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. It's saying don't, don't procrastinate because you do not end up where you want to go. You end up where the path that you're on takes you. And so often people think someday... I'm going to get off that path. You know, so someday when I have plenty of time, I'm going to serve God. You know, I will obey God in the next season of my life. I'll get right with God later after I have some fun. I'll get right with God when I get my money in order. I'll do something for God when my kids get older. I'll get so do something for God when the kids are gone. I'll do something for God when the sports season's over. I'll do something for God when I get married. I'll do something for God when I'm not married. I'll do something for God when it seems more logical. I'll do something for God when the weather isn't so nice. You know, we just keep on putting things off. It's amazing. There's, a, there's a, a, an account in the Bible of when Moses is in Egypt and Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, will not let the children of Israel go. So the, the ten plagues come, remember. And one of the plagues is the plague of frogs. And the Bible says there's frogs everywhere. They were in your bedroom. They were in your pots. They were in your pans. They were every place covered with frogs. So Pharaoh calls Moses and says, I've sinned. Please pray that the frogs leave. And this, this is the stupidest verse in the Bible. And Moses says, when do you want the frogs? to leave. And he said, tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. Like, I would like to spend one more night with a frog. <laughs> one more morning with frogs in my oatmeal. 
I mean, you know, like what? Well, like I just said, yesterday, now. But you know what? We always seem to put things off. But life is short. And this is your one and only life. It's the only one that you get. So don't procrastinate. Don't waste time. The Bible says today is the day. It's the day to do the right thing. It's the day to repent. It's the day to make the decision you're going to serve God. It's the day to believe God. And if you allow complacency in your life over time, your heart gets off target. Complacency will get your heart off target. And it will get further and further off target the longer you let complacency in your life. So life's short, but God redeems. God redeems. I can say it this way, God redeems. I can say God's great. In fact, God is greater than I think any of us have any idea how great God is. Uh, recently, I think it was last year, I, I was reading, and they made mention in there that scientists now tell us that there are more stars in the heavens than there are grains of sand and all of the deserts and all of the beaches in the world. More, more stars. And you get an idea how big, they're big, right? They're big and they're far away. Like our sun is 93 million miles away. It's a star, 93 million miles. So if you're traveling at 196,000 miles per second, it takes you seven minutes to get to our star. But other stars that are close by, 100 million years. 100 million years. And there's more stars than there are sands in all of the deserts, in all of the beaches in the world. How many get the idea God's big? God's great. And, and our problem, however big it may seem to us, it is not big to God. To God, it's just like, it's like nothing. So Romans 8 says that he works all things together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. So no matter what happens to you, it doesn't matter if, if it's your problem. And in fact, the, the, one of the Proverbs says this. It says, a man's own folly ruins his life, but his heart rages against the Lord. In other words, people make bad decisions. Um, I'm thinking of a, of a particular woman, and you don't know who this is, okay? But she, she came, and, and she says, I'm going to marry so-and-so. And, and, and I just said to her, I said, you should not marry him. I mean, he's not a Christian. Um, I, I'm, I'm just telling you, this is, this is not a good choice for you. The Bible says, don't marry somebody who's not a believer. He's not a believer. She says, yeah, but I'm going to straighten him out. And, you know, he's going to get right once we get married and, you know, all of this. So she gets married. Two years later, she's, she's in my office. And she says, why did God do this to me? A man's own folly ruins his life. We make dumb decisions. And then we're reaping the consequences. And we're mad at God. We're mad at God and, and we blame God and we rage against the Lord because of what happened and all that happened is we're reaping the consequences of our decisions. But it says that no matter what happens, God is able to work it together for your good. Now that doesn't mean God causes it, but no matter what it is, God is able to work in your life to where that thing, God will use it somehow to be a blessing to you and to bless others. 
no matter what happens. In Ephesians 3, 21, it says, I pray that Christ Jesus and the church will forever bring praise to God. His power at work in us can do far more than we dare to ask or imagine. King James Bible says that we can ask or think. But there to ask or imagine. How many of you got a pretty good imagination? You can think of some good stuff. The Bible says he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you and I can even imagine. Life is short, but God redeems. God redeems. And we need to put our trust and our confidence in God. We may have plans, but I'm telling you, God's got bigger and better plans than what we have. I don't see Pastor Bernie right now, but I remember years ago, probably 15 years ago, maybe a little longer than that, longer than that, more like 25 years ago, we were over on, on 44th Street in a green pole barn. That was where we were holding church. And we had eight and a half acres. And right next to us, the city, the school district, had like four or five acres. And we wanted the four or five acres. So we wrote them and, and we said that we'd like to buy that. And they said, well, it's not for sale. And we offered them a generous amount of money. And they said, no, thank you. And then I believe we offered them some more money. And they said, no, thank you. And then we said, well, what price would you take? And they said, none. Now, Bernie and I were over there walking on that. We're claiming, we're claiming it for the kingdom of God. Four and a half acres. God, we need it. We claim it in Jesus' name. Four and a half acres. And then 150 acres showed up for sale here. How many know 150 acres is better than four and a half? You know, we have, we have more parking than we would have had there. But God was able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. We couldn't even imagine 150 acres until God like dropped it right in front of us. In order for us to fulfill, this is true of you, it's true of me, it's true of every Christian. To fulfill God's plan for us, our faith has to grow. In Romans 1.16, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, the gospel, is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed, as it's written, the just shall live by faith. And it talks about how we go from faith to faith. Faith to faith. Now, I mentioned it this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 17. David goes out and he fights against Goliath. And he kills Goliath. The Bible says that Goliath falls down, he cuts his head off. And the Philistines see their, their champion is dead and they run. Israel sees David has killed the giant. They shout, they run after the enemy. Great victory. Now, the Bible says when it's over that David took Goliath's sword and stuff and he put it in a tent. And then he took Goliath's head. Now, I know this is going to sound a little gory, but this is important. It says he took Goliath's head and he went to Jerusalem. Now, if you've been to Israel, it's a ways from the Valley of Elah to Jerusalem. It's over 20 miles. And so he takes a head of a giant and he walks 20 miles. Now, I want to talk to you about why this is. Now, he has just killed 
the champion of the Philistines by faith, by faith. But in his heart, there is something more. The city of Jerusalem is inhabited by the Jebusites. Now, there's some of the heathen people that were in the land, and they had never been able to conquer Jerusalem. Jerusalem has got a wall around it, and David gets there, and he's got the head of that giant Goliath. Now, the Bible does not tell us what he did, but I'm going to tell you what I believe that he did. And, and there's scripture, I believe, that backs this up. I believe that he took that head, and he went and he stood outside the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And he said, this is the champion of the Philistines, the giant. I just killed him because he was in the land of Israel where he did not belong. And you are in a city that God has appointed for the children of Israel and you don't belong there. And I'm telling you right now, you need to get out because if you don't get out, the day is coming when I'm coming back and I'm going to fight you. I'm going to take you down and we're going to take this city for God. Now, think about this about David. God had just used him. He had just used his faith. But inside him, there was something more. So years pass and different things happen in, in David's life. You know, he started out that morning as a shepherd, but then he became a warrior in Saul's army. But then he became a fugitive and he was running from Saul. Then he became the captain of a band of outcasts. Then he became king of Judah, just one tribe. And then it's almost 20 years. In fact, it's just over 20 years after he killed Goliath, he became king of Israel. And when he became king of Israel, this is the first thing that he did. The king and his win, men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites. The first thing that happened when he got to the place that God wanted him to be, when he was beginning to really enter into the destiny that God had for him, the first thing he did was he took the army of Israel and he went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land who had spoken to David saying, you shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will repel you, thinking David cannot come in here. Now the Bible says that they had told David, you can never come in here. You can never take this city. Well, when did it happen? Well, the Bible doesn't say, but I've got a good feeling it happened when he was about 15 years old, standing outside with a giant's head. And they said, you'll never be able to take us. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. Now, David said on that day, whoever climbs up by the way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Therefore, they say, the blind and the lame shall not come in to the house. So here's what David did. He came to the city of Jerusalem and it appeared to be impenetrable. But just outside the wall of the city of Jerusalem, there's a little spring called the Spring of Gihon. I mean, it is right at the base of the wall. Now, David was brought up in Bethlehem, which is five miles from Jerusalem. Five miles. It's very, very likely that as a boy, he had taken his sheep 
And he had gone to that very spring to get water for his sheep. And somehow David knew that if you dove in that pool and swam about 150 feet underwater, you would come up inside the city of Jerusalem in a shaft called Warren's Shaft. It's called Warren's Shaft because a guy in the 1860s named Warren found it. I think we've got a picture of that shaft. Boom. It's going to show up. There it is. That shaft is uh, 55 feet deep. Um, several years ago, they had professional climbers go from the bottom to the top. It took them six hours. But David said to his men, he said, whoever can go in that pool, swim 150 feet underwater, come up inside that shaft and climb up that shaft and take the city of Jerusalem. They're going to be the number, five, number one general over all of the army. Now, now listen, David was just a boy when probably when he found out about that shaft. But years later, when he becomes king, that information that he learned just as a child became very, very valuable. How many realize that things that have happened in your life, things that you know, that you have no idea God can use, God can use those things. And what happens today with your faith is never supposed to be the end. We're supposed to go from faith to faith. When God does something for you, it's very, very common for God to put something else in your heart and say, this is where we're going next. And it may take a while to get there, but we go from faith to faith. David started with a giant, but then he took a city, and then he took nations. He went from faith to faith. And the exact same thing is supposed to happen in our lives. A shepherd, a warrior, a fugitive, a captain of a band, a king of Judah, a king of Israel. You live life on levels and you arrive in stages. You live life on levels and you arrive in stages. And where God has you today in faith is not where you're supposed to finish in faith. God has got more for you. And every time God does something for you, there's something out ahead. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. Now, faith is about walking with God. That's what faith's about. Faith is about walking with God. I know people who think faith is about getting something. And you can receive things by faith. In Hebrews 11, it talks about they receive promises. God made promises in his word. They receive promises. But the real purpose of faith is for you and I to walk with God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It says in Hebrews 11 that Enoch walked with God. He walked with God. In fact, in Genesis chapter 5, let's just take a look at it. How many of you know sometimes you're reading genealogies and they seem boring? But almost always in every one of them, there's just some really good stuff if you just kind of know where to look. And it says, now Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. Methuselah, it appears, at his birth, that Enoch received a revelation. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of Jude 
that he received an additional revelation because he's the one who said the Lord will come back with 10,000s times 10,000s of his saints to execute judgment on the ungodly for all the ungodly things which they have committed in an ungodly way against him. So he saw judgment come when Jesus returns. I mean, we know when Jesus comes back, he's coming to judge. Rule and reign with a rod of iron. But he saw something closer to his own day. When, he, when Methuselah was born, God gave Enoch a vision. And he saw judgment come on the earth. And he saw the flood. He saw how God judged the earth. And so he named Methuselah, it will fall. Or at your death, it will fall. Basically, he said, when Methuselah dies, judgment is going to fall. That would be a pretty bad name, don't you think? If that was your name, everybody's like, don't mess with him, you know. When he dies, judgment is going to fall. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God for 300 years. He had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And he was not because God took him. He walked with God. And he was not because God took him. That really is the purpose of faith. It's for you and I to walk with God, to please God, to receive from God, to have fellowship with God, to connect with God. It appears that Enoch, he's just out walking with God one day and it's time to go home. And God said, Enoch, it's time to go home. We're closer to my house than yours. Let's go. Took him to heaven. Still there. He is still there. The Bible says God took him that he would not see death. Never died. Never will. But he walked with God. And then, of course, Methuselah lived 187 years. He begot a son. And then he kept on living. In fact, he lived longer than anyone ever lived. He lived 969 years. And the reason he lived that long is because God just kept saying, let's have mercy. Let's have mercy. Let's give people another chance. Let's give them another chance. Let's give them another chance. Let's give them more opportunity to get right with God, more opportunity to repent. They didn't avail of it. In fact, if you run the genealogies, when Methuselah died, judgment fell. The flood came. The year that Methuselah died. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, we're, we're supposed to walk with God. You, you realize this. If you're a believer, God's in you. He's for you. He enjoys you. In fact, the Bible says in Revelation 4.11, and for your pleasure, all things are and were created. We were created for God's pleasure. That doesn't mean God doesn't want you to do anything. It says that he richly gives us all things to enjoy. But God enjoys you. He wants to fellowship with you. Now, uh, uh, Jeannie and I, we're grandparents. We have 19 grandkids. And uh, we've got some that are, uh, I enjoy all of them. Every day I want to see some of them. But, but there, there is one, right, there's a couple actually right now that, that I particularly enjoy. Uh, I, I like that two years old. They're just, everything's exciting. You know, you show, you show them something, they're like, ah! You know, and you show them something else, it's, ah! 
you know, everything is new and exciting and wonderful. Um, we, we had a couple of the grandkids this week, and, and, and we had Bo. Now, Bo is two. And I just like to watch him. Titus is two. I just like to watch Titus. But I've actually got a little video of Bo from this week. Guys, roll the Bo video. Is it is there? Oh, it's sideways, guys. <laughs> Sorry it's sideways, but you get the picture. It's just fun. We enjoy them. Do you know that God enjoys everything you do? In the same way that we like enjoy those little kids, God enjoys you. He's for you. He's with you. He's in you. You know, and we are his family. We're his children. Yeah, we love him. We serve him. But he is pleased with us. He is pleased. Now, I just want to say a couple of things uh, right as we close about faith. The Bible says to just live by faith. And faith will change you. Faith will change you. It changes us. I remember when the, the first time I heard the gospel, I, I went to a church for 20 years. And I never saw a single person receive the Lord. And I never heard a single altar call, a single invitation to receive the Lord. Because at the church that I grew up in, we just believed that, you know, if, if you were a baby and they sprinkled you with water, you were in. And yes, how you got in. And you'd, so, so I never, never had heard anything. Now, I'm 20 years old. I'm all messed up. And I know I'm not right with God. My parents said, you're a Christian. I'm like, you don't know. I'm just not. Trust me, I'm not. Because <laughs> I know that I'm not. All right? So, so, so but I, I believed, you know, that God had just kind of like chosen some people and, to go to heaven and chose some people to go to hell. And if you were going to go to hell, you had to go. And if you're going to heaven, you had to go. And you had no choice. So for the first time in my life, I, I hear, somebody shared with me, Romans 10, verse 9, if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is your Lord. Believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And then Romans 10, 13, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And they said, if you'll do that, God will save you. And I said, I'm in right now. Now, before that, I was brought up in church, but I did, it never penetrated, and I did not enjoy church. Uh, here's the, that we would sing hymns, I hated them all. Um, I thought church was the most boring thing I'd ever done. I didn't like anybody who went to our church. And they didn't like me either, so it was mutual, you know. Um, I didn't like reading the Bible. I didn't like singing hymns or, or worship songs or, or anything. That was before. So I prayed that prayer on a Sunday night. I go home, I read my Bible. Nobody told me to go read your Bible. I just wanted to. Next day, I'm reading my Bible again. And the next day, I'm reading my Bible again. And the next day, I'm reading my Bible again. Nobody told me, read your Bible. I just wanted to. All of a sudden, I wanted to go to church. I never wanted to go before, but all of a sudden, I wanted to go. All of a sudden, I wanted to hang around with Christian people. And all the stuff I used to want to do, I didn't want to do. And the stuff that I didn't want to do before, I wanted to do. You see, because when you get saved, you get a new want to her. You see, you become, in fact, Living Bible says it this way. It says you become a new, different person on the inside. You're in the same body, but you are different on the inside. Because you now have a new father. You have a new nature. 
And the things that you used to want to do, you don't want to do. The things that you didn't want to do, you want to do. Faith will change you. Faith starts to work by changing you. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. That's what faith will do. When we put our faith in him, he comes down on the inside. He makes us a brand new person. Now, here's the interesting thing. The Bible says the outward man perishes. That means your physical body gets old. But the inward man is renewed every day. Renewed every day. Every day, God's mercies are new every morning. Every day, he comes and makes you new again on the inside. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? You know, if you're here and you're not right with God, I think you know that God loves you. But did you know there is nothing you could do to make him love you more? Nothing you could do to make you, him love you less because his love is unconditional. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to walk with him. Now, you say, what does God want from me? He wants you to surrender your life and make Jesus Lord. And when you do that, the forgiveness that Jesus purchased for you is applied to your life. And so often we think but. I've done so much wrong. I've gone so far from God. But there's no life that is so dark, no valley you have descended in that is so deep, no sin so shocking, no relationship so appalling, no sex so perverted, no pit so deep that God's love and mercy will not reach down, that the blood of Jesus cannot reach down and cleanse you, forgive you, and make you a brand new person. Now, if you're here and you're away from God, you're not right with God, and you say, I want to surrender today. I want to be forgiven. And I'm going to ask you in just a moment when I say three to lift your hand. We're going to pray together, and God's going to meet you right here. Now, as every head's bowed, every eye closed, as you lift your hand, you're first of all saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I'm coming to Jesus to be saved and forgiven. One. As you lift that hand, you're saying, today, I'm surrendering. I'm giving him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm holding nothing back. Two, now get ready. As you lift that hand, you're saying, today, I want to receive forgiveness. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want him to make me new, a part of his family on my way to heaven. Three, lift that hand up. Pray with me. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Are there others? Include me, Pastor. Thank you. God bless you. Another hand. Someone else. All right. Would everyone please just take one hand, put it over your heart, lift your other hand towards heaven. We're going to pray with those that lifted their hands to say, Oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart, all of my life. I hold nothing back. And I thank you, you've heard my prayer, that I am forgiven, a part of your family, today and forever, in Jesus' name, amen.